0: Jesus was a really hard guy to figure out sometimes. He taught us as disciples really a different way of life than we were used to. You see, for generations we were taught that we should stay away from unclean people. We were told, you know, don't step into the shadow of an unclean person, or we also would be unclean. Don't get too close to a woman because they will make you unclean. Man, he was not kidding about that one. That that, that can get scary sometimes. And so in life, I found myself avoiding people, dancing around them because I didn't want to be unclean. But then Jesus, this messy Messiah, if you will, this Messiah that we thought was going to come and he was going to take us out of the mess and he was going to lead us to the place where we would always be clean and whole, says, hey boys, we're going in. And he takes us into the mess, the place where for generations we've been told, you can't go there, or you yourself will not be clean. And so we followed Jesus, and we found ourselves in the messiest places. Come here, Stephen. Stephen. You look like a leper. Okay, leper boy, get down on your hands and knees there. Not on your hands. Put your hands together like a sepulchre there. Come on. So here he is. He's, he's praying. He's begging Jesus, heal me. Please heal me. But if I'm Jesus, I know I need to heal him. I know that I need to cure him of his leprosy but do you think I'm actually going to touch him? No, I'm not going to touch him because I don't need to touch him. I'm Jesus. I can simply say, be clean, go away and be done with him. I mean, Jesus could have done this. I mean, he said to his good friend Lazarus who was dead for four days to come out of the tomb alive and he did. He didn't touch him. So we stood there and we watched. As as Jesus reached out his hand, and we thought to ourselves, no, don't touch him. If you get leprosy and die, we can't even write the New Testament. So please don't touch him. So we're standing there and we're thinking, okay, we're going to get one of these, Uh, be clean. Or maybe he, you know, take the hem of my garment, be clean but we're going to keep him at a distance because we don't want to touch him because we don't want to be a mess like he is. But you see, Jesus taught us to do things differently. You see, Jesus taught us that we had to roll up our sleeves if we wanted to be in God's business. He told us that we had to roll up our sleeves and we had to go to where the mess was. You can't do God's work acres away from the mess. You have to go to the mess. You have to be there in the mess. And so what we found Jesus doing totally out of the dark in our minds was he did something differently, but he got down. And he, he got down and he looked at him in the eyes and he touched him. But he didn't just touch him, he embraced him. To think of someone who had leprosy, they had not been touched in years And now to feel not just a touch, but an embrace. Feeling the love of somebody. And Jesus stood there and he hugged. And he continued to heal him. But not just heal him of his leprosy, but he continued to teach him and to heal him of this thought in his mind that because he was a mess, he had no business in God's business. God loves the mess. Thank you, Stephen. I just healed your brother, so um, don't go get yourself stoned. Um. Uh, become a martyr. If you don't get that, look in the book of Acts. <laughs> if if you've read my book at all, um, I I happen to write the gospel of Matthew just in case. I'm, I'm Matthew. want to introduce myself to you. And if you've read my book, you, you'll see that Jesus gets messy a lot. And as you look at these words and you look at the life of Jesus, you quickly see that the Pharisees, these, these people who were the teachers of the law, they knew everything about what was right. And they were the ones that would teach what was clean and unclean and, and we couldn't eat certain foods and we couldn't go certain places and we couldn't leave our homes on certain days or we couldn't walk more than seven feet away from our homes or we would be considered working. And so they taught, and Jesus became their, their enemy. And so they quickly became, began looking for a way to kill Jesus. And they suckered this idiot Judas. Um, I don't know what he was thinking, but he ends up betraying Jesus. And as the guards took away Jesus, the other disciples and I ran and hid. Because we didn't want to be killed either. So we hid. And Jesus was flogged. He was beaten. He ended up being sentenced to death on a cross by Pilate. We watched in amazement. Jesus didn't fight. He, He didn't talk back. He, he didn't try to get out of this death sentence. He didn't try and run and get away from the guards, but he stood there as the Roman guards placed a crown of thorns on his head and they, they mocked and spit at him. And we just sat and watched from a distance. We didn't want people to know who we were And out at Golgotha, as we stood back and and we watched as the Roman guards crucified Jesus, this, this man who we had loved and we had followed for over three years and we had left everything behind to follow him and he had taught us this new way of life and as we watched him die, I couldn't bear to look. And as I turned away, and I couldn't bear to see the sight of this man that I loved being crucified, I remembered that Jesus said that the greatest gift, the greatest thing someone could do for another was to lay down their life for their friends. And it hit me. He did this for me. He was dying for me. Jesus gave his life for me. It should have been me up there. I should have been at least with him. But he died alone. He died knowing that his friends deserted him and abandoned him in the most critical point in his life. And we ran and he did this me in the midst of the agony and looking up at Jesus I could see the love in his eyes and I watched as he took his final breath and he said the words it is finished and all of a sudden the ground began to shake the rocks began to, to split open, and all of a sudden, we even had reports coming to us that the, t- the temple curtain had been torn. Do you know what this means? Do you know what it means? The fact that the temple court- curtain was torn. You see, on the Holy of Holies was the only place that the high priest could go, no other person could go into the innermost part of the temple. And they could only give the sacrifices. And that was the place where God was considered to be. And so, we find that the Israelites worshipped this God that seemed to be far off, to be inaccessible to the ordinary person, We couldn't have this close relationship with God because there was this separation between us because we couldn't go to the place where he was at. And this wasn't any small curtain. This curtain was 60 feet tall and three inches thick. This curtain could not have been torn just by any person walking up and tearing it, even if they cut it at the bottom and began to tear it, it wouldn't have worked because it says that the temple curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. Only God could have done it. And so what we see is when Jesus dies on the cross, we see the temple curtain being torn And we see this divide that was once there being taken away. And we see this place that can now become home. We see the place where Jesus and God and man can be together. We can now have a relationship with Jesus personally knowing him because of what he did on the cross for us we can now have a relationship with God one of the other disciples who, who God spoke to and he, he wrote the book of Revelation and when Jesus was speaking to the church of Laodicea he told them, here I am I stand at the door and I knock whoever will come to the door and let me in, I will come in with them and eat with them and they with me. You see, what Jesus wants is he gets rid of this curtain temple stuff and says, that doesn't work anymore. He says, what I want is to come in. I want to eat with you. I want to know you personally. I want to live life with you. It may not make sense to you, but you see, to me, this was personal. This had a whole new meaning for me because, you see, I was a tax collector. I was hated by the people. Nobody liked me. They hated me. I took their money. They had the right to hate me. But Jesus came to me on the road one day, and he said, Matthew, follow me. And so I did because I could see that there was something different about this man, Jesus. And I followed him. And you know what he did? He came to my house and he told me, invite all of your friends. Well, I'm a tax collector, I don't have any friends except tax collectors. So he finds himself at a table full of sinners, full of messy people that nobody else likes. And so we're only people we have as fellow hated tax collectors. But the Pharisees come and they see Jesus eating with us. And and they begin to ridicule Jesus and they begin to say why are you eating with these sinners but Jesus stands up for us he he makes us feel like even though we're hated by the people that we have value that we are loved by God we knew that we were loved so Jesus comes and he wants to sit at a table With us. He wants to be involved in our everyday lives. He he wants to know the biggest details and the smallest details of our life. He wants to know everything about us. But you notice Jesus said, I come to the door and I knock. It does not say, I come to the door and I let myself in and I sit down at the table with you. You see, it's our job to invite him in. Jesus isn't going to force his way into our lives. He's going to knock. He's going to politely ask if I can come in. But it's up to us to invite him in. It's up to us to ask him to come into our lives Will we ask him? Will we ask him to come into our lives? Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. You see, when he died on the cross, he was saying, you're worth it. You may be the messiest people in the face of the earth, and that's great, because guess what? I came for the mess. He's the one who comes, and he cleans up the mess. You don't have to come to him any other way. There's no coming to him after I've got everything perfect, after I've cleaned up my life, and then I'll come. But Jesus... Comes to you where you are right now, not a second later, mess and all. And He receives us because He loves us. You know, one of the things. That as I have prepared for today, knowing that this day was coming, I've in the last two months I've had at least a handful of people come to me and ask me, can I come to your church? I'm like, yeah, of course you could be. And they're like, No, would I be welcome in your church? Because you see, they're different than us, they think. <laughs> And I'm thinking, no, you're not. Trust me. The biggest tragedy in today's society is the fact that people actually have to ask, would I be welcome in your church? Because Jesus says they're worth it. Jesus said, I don't care what their life looks like. I don't care what you think about their life. I don't care how you judge their life. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what I did, Jesus, on the cross for them. Nothing else matters because they're worth it. Jesus says you're worth it. Today I'm going to ask you to respond. Respond. I'm going to ask you to think about your life. Because Jesus is knocking. It's not a matter of if he's at the door. It's a matter of will I open it. For some of us, we have given our life to Christ. We, we have Chosen to follow Christ. And we've said, yes, Jesus, come in, sit down and eat with me and be part of my family. And so I want you to do something for me today, those of you who have chosen to follow Christ. In a few moments, I'm going to have you come up. And I'm going to have you write your name on the cross. Symbolizing... That you get it. That you understand that Jesus says you're worth it. Then there's another group of people that I want to invite up. And, And those are the people who maybe have been searching In their life, maybe are at the point of asking the questions of understanding, like, I I need something in my life. I, I see the void. I see there's something missing. I just don't know what it is. It's Jesus. I'm confident in saying that. But let me say this, just because you say, Jesus, I want you in my life, does not mean, poof, the mess is gone. I'm the pastor, still got a whole lot of mess. It's a process. But the process does not begin without Jesus. The process does not end without Jesus. And so if if you're searching... And you're at that point where you're willing to say, Jesus, I I want you in my life. I want you to come up too. I want both groups to come up at the same time. There's no like two separate groups and everyone gets to feel uncomfortable because I'm not going up there because no way am I going to be called out. Everybody at the same time. This isn't going to be a multiple song, multiple invitation type of thing. One time, one shot, you guys know what to do. And for those of you who are thinking to yourself, well, I've been searching, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Well, let me just say, if there's something in your gut right now that is churning, I promise you, it is not the burrito you had for breakfast. It's Jesus talking to you. I don't understand what he's saying. Well, let me tell you this. I've been a Christian now for a while. I've been a follower of Christ. Um, Not ever have I heard Jesus yell at me. He's never like spoken loudly to me where I could actually understand clearly what he wanted me to do because, see, Jesus likes to do this little thing. It's called That's what he wants. He wants your undivided attention. I promise you there's not one person in this room today that he does not want to have a relationship with. He says you're worth it. So as we begin to play, I want to invite you up. There's two pieces of chalk up here, and I just encourage you to just put your first name to symbolize that Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for believing that I'm worth it. say this I'm not going to call anyone out I'm not going to embarrass anybody I just want to say that if this was a first for you if this was the first time for you to say and fully relinquish yourself to God and say God Jesus I need you in my life I just want you to know you're not alone I don't want you to to think that this is something that that now I have to take on by myself and I don't know what to do next. Because there's going to come a time when you're not going to know what to do. How do I grow even stronger in my faith? What's the next step for me? Don't try and do it yourself. I want you to know that there are people in this church that, that love you And that we will walk beside you, no matter what the mess is, we will walk beside you. We will be there for you. We will be your family. If you want someone to talk to, please know that I am more than willing to talk to you. I will help you in any way that I can. Please do not ever feel embarrassed or uncomfortable about coming to me. That's the last thing you should feel because trust me when I say you're not feeling anything that everyone else in this room has not felt at one point in their life. And so I I just encourage you to take advantage of the people here. Take advantage of me. That's what I'm here for. That's what I want to be here for. The words that you have heard today, the things that you have heard and seen. You see, when I went through the registration cards yesterday, and I began making a list, you see there's this question down at the bottom of of the registration card that says, what church do you go to? I go through them all. I pull out the ones where um, it's an imaginary church and that church no longer exists um, and they don't know that, and so I pull that aside. Well, you don't go to church. And you know, I had a stack like this that didn't belong to a church. And a stack like this people who did. And you see, all those people who don't go to church, they might not have heard this today. They might have been missing out on the greatest thing in their life. And trust me when I say, all of the stuff that we're going through in life, they're going through it too. And some of them probably worse But you see, our job does not end in signing our name on a cross because Jesus says, you're worth it. And when you're worth it and you know it, you want to tell someone about it. Don't keep your faith. Don't keep Jesus to yourself because he's not your little personal Jesus that you get to put in the palm of your hand and take him wherever you go, but no one else gets him. Now, Jesus is for everyone. Share him with the people in this community and in your lives. Because just as much as Jesus died because you're worth it, he died on the cross because they're worth it too. And all these blank spaces up here are spaces for their names. Because even though they don't know it, their names are there. They're just waiting. Jesus is just waiting for them to open the door and let him in. We serve a risen Christ who conquered the grave so that you and I might have life and have it to the fullest because he says you're worth it.